You're in the water loop. Waterloop is a nonprofit media outlet made possible in part by a grant from Springpoint Partners. Visit waterloop.org for all of our content. This is episode number 137, A Chronology of Conflict. The relationship between water and conflict has a long history. Sometimes a fight arises over water resources. Other times, water is used as a weapon during war. In other cases, water is collateral damage. The history is detailed in the Water and Conflict Chronology and discussed in this episode with Peter Glick, President Emeritus and a Senior Fellow at the Pacific Institute. Peter also talks about examples from the chronology, such as the first entry from 2400 BC in Mesopotamia, the destruction of a water system in New York City during the Revolutionary War, and the involvement of water in the current invasion of Ukraine. You're in the Waterloop. Welcome to Waterloop. This is Travis. Very happy to be joined for this episode by Peter Glick. He is President Emeritus and a Senior Fellow at the Pacific Institute. Peter, thank you for coming on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me on. Yeah, I'm overdue in having you on here. Uh, You really have so much water knowledge and perspective to bring. I I should have done this a while ago, but glad we're on now. Um, Unfortunately, the topic that that has us uh, on this podcast together is about conflict and war and its intersection with water. A lot of things to dive into on that front, but I know you at the Pacific Institute have just updated your water conflict chronology. What is that and how is it intended to be used? Sure. So just to back up for a second, as you know, the Pacific Institute has worked on water for a long time. The Institute was founded in 1987. Uh, We deal with freshwater issues worldwide, uh, climate change, access to safe water, the human right to water, uh, all, all sorts of aspects of water. But one of the things we've also been doing, again, since the beginning pretty much, is looking at the ways that freshwater and conflict are related. Uh, We started really, uh, I started initially looking at environmental security issues, the way the environment and security and international politics were related. And of of course, given my interest in water, that segued pretty quickly into a focus on water-related conflicts. And the water conflict chronology is one piece of what we do. It's basically an open source database of all the history, the long history of what we know about water and violence. And it goes back, as, as perhaps you know, it goes back more than 4,000 years to the earliest water conflicts in recorded history in ancient Mesopotamia. And the bad news, of course, is it goes up until basically literally last week. Mm. Yeah, uh, some different ways to go with this. Let's let's go with that history aspect a little bit first, uh, and then we can get up to the future because I know one of the key points of, of your update is there's a growing threat of conflict around water resources. But let's let's take that that journey in time and history. Could you kind of give an overview of of some of the kind of key examples or or notable conflicts throughout the past four thousand years where where water's been at the crux? Sure. So uh, again, let me back up for a second and and be a little more explicit in that the chronology uh, categorizes water conflicts in three different ways. Mm. Uh, We think about water as a trigger of conflict, which is sort of the common 
thing that people think about. It's I want your water or control of water or disputes over really who is uh, allocating and managing water resources. Uh, so water is a trigger. The second category is water as a weapon where water or water systems are actually used as weapons during conflicts that start for other reasons. There are conflicts that are you know, associated with whatever, economic, political, ethnic disputes, uh, whatever causes violence. And of course, unfortunately, there are many causes of violence, but where water is used as a weapon. And the third category is where water or water systems are casualties of conflict, targets of conflict. Uh, again, conflicts that may start for completely other reasons, but where water or water systems are attacked during conflicts. And if we go back and look at the chronology, the very first entry is a water war. It's actually really one of the few water wars uh, between the ancient Mesopotamian cities of Uma and Lagash, between the Tigris and the Euphrates rivers in 2400 BC. And it, it's written about, literally carved into stone on marble stelas that were recovered by archeologists that describe a dispute between these two ancient cities over access to irrigation water. Uh, and that war actually went on for a hundred years between these two cities. Uh, but it's, it's probably the best example of the use of water as a trigger uh, and ultimately also a casualty of conflict. Mm. And, you know, you also mentioned these these categories. Obviously, there's been times when drought, right, has has been a, a spark of conflict. When there's drought, that creates a lot of strain on a on a population, on a country, on a on an area, um, and that that can lead to all kinds of kinds of situations and consequences for sure. Um, how can water be used during a conflict? I think you kind of mentioned a, a little bit about it, but what are what are some of the ways that it's actually weaponized, as you said? So water used as a weapon or water systems used as a weapon, again, unfortunately has a fairly long, long history. Uh, there are examples from the ancient times of poisoning wells of your opponents uh, to, to, as, a, as the weapon used during war. Uh, more recently in, again, the Middle East, uh, in Syria and Iraq, again, on the Tigris and the Euphrates rivers, some of the very big dams that have been built there were attacked by the Islamic State, taken over by the Islamic State around 20 in the 2014 era to 2018 era. Uh, and then that water was either released from those dams to flood downstream communities as a weapon or was withheld from communities as a weapon. Uh, so withholding water, using water uh, as a as as a flood weapon are again examples from the chronology, mm. and I think that third category it was about the impact that that conflict and war can have on water resources, whether that's you know nature itself or on water infrastructure. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So even when water isn't used as a weapon, water systems are often targeted during conflicts. Uh, the Allied forces in World War II bombed some German dams. Uh, the U.S. bombed irrigation systems in Vietnam during the Vietnam War. Uh, in Yemen, in the big uh, conflict that's been going on there for really almost a decade now, uh, Saudi forces and Allied forces associated with Saudi Arabia have bombed Yemen's civilian water infrastructure. Uh, there are lots of examples, again, unfortunately, where 
civilian water systems, because of their value, have been attacked during conflicts. Uh, I, I would note it's that's an explicit violation of international law. The Geneva Convention of 1949, the the Geneva Protocols of 1977, that that set limits on what nations are supposed to do during conflicts explicitly say you should not be targeting civilian water infrastructure and energy infrastructure as well, but it doesn't seem to have uh, prevented that from happening. Yeah, no, sure. Uh, obviously, and unfortunately, uh, the, the invasion of the Ukraine uh, by Russia is front and center in the news right now. Um, and I've seen a couple different things related to water uh, in Ukraine uh, as, as related to this conflict and war. Um, what are you aware of? Uh, what's going on, whether uh, the impact on water resources there or the use of water it, you know, as a weapon or, or defense as it might be in this conflict? Yeah, so there have been a number of instances related to the Ukraine and Russia, actually going back a number of years. Uh, so really starting... I mean, there's some entries in the chronology that, that go back before this time, but uh, even starting in around 2014, when Russia annexed Crimea, uh, which was part of Ukraine at that point, there's a canal that flows from the Dnieper River from the Ukraine to Crimea that supports some of Crimea's agricultural lands, irrigation water. And following the Russian annexation of Crimea, Ukraine cut off that water. Uh, they blocked the canal that delivered water to Crimea. You know, that entered the category of water being used as a weapon against Russia. Uh, then, most recently, literally a week ago or so, the reports are that Russia bombed that dam as part of their invasion of the Ukraine. They bombed that small dam on that canal to re return the flow, to restore the flow of water to Crimea. Uh, there have also been reports of attacks on uh, civilian water infrastructure, pumping stations and filtration stations in the Ukraine by Russian forces. Uh, there was a, a report not confirmed, and so it's actually not in our chronology, that the Ukraine intentionally flooded some parts of the land north of Kiev to slow down the Russian advance on Kiev. Uh, again, the kinds of examples we see throughout history, but but most recently in this conflict between Russia and Ukraine. Mm. Yeah, incredible. And of course, anytime you see like a, a conflict area or a war and you see coverage, it seems like there's always uh, bottled water <laughs> being delivered, right? It's just obviously essential for everything that's going on. Um, what do you just... I'm a bigger picture. What do you think it says that water is so present as a source of conflict and war, as a weapon during these these uh, wars or conflicts, um, and that as a you know collateral damage a lot of times? It says a lot of different things. It says, you know, it says to me that uh, first of all, we're still not managing water resources in a sustainable, equitable fashion. So, for example, backing up for a second to water as a trigger of conflict, a lot of the most recent entries are they're fairly small scale violence. It's a you know farmers fighting farmers or farmers protesting the diversion of water away from their lands to supply an urban center, uh, and those riots turning violence. I would note 
just again to back up for a second, the chronology focuses on violence associated with water. Mm. When we argue about water, those don't make it to the chronology. It's really got to be some some violent event to make it into the database. But our failure to meet basic human needs for water for everyone on the planet, our failure to manage water, as you mentioned earlier, during droughts and shortages in a sustainable, equitable fashion, those things all contribute to human misery. They contribute to problems with our economies. They contribute to disputes between neighbors about who gets access to this critical resource. And so the failure to manage water sustainably contributes to these kinds of conflicts. It also says that international law is inadequate. Again, I mentioned the Geneva Conventions, and there are other international laws that say you ought to protect civilian infrastructure and water infrastructure, and you should not attack it during during conflicts. But that that's not enforced. The laws are not adequate, and they're not adequately enforced by some sort of international judiciary agreement. The International Criminal Court, the Court of Justice, uh, there are a lot of challenges with that. But with one exception, no cases like this have ever been brought to the International Criminal Court. And so there are problems with our international system as well. And finally, a lot of the water on the planet is shared by two or more nations. A lot of the entries in the conflict chronology are subnational conflicts. Again, farmer fighting pastoralist or fighting, fighting other farmers or local attacks on water systems. But there are some international disputes over shared water resources, because almost every major international river is shared by two or more nations. And many of those international rivers don't have agreements on them. And when there's a lack of an agreement, a treaty about how to allocate or share or manage an international river, the risk of conflict goes up. Uh, and so that's, a, that's another thing I think we need to look at. You mentioned this one exception where uh, a conflict or, or a violation made its way to the international court. Could could you share that one? Yeah. So, so uh, uh, the former dictator of Sudan, El Bashir, has been charged with all sorts of human rights abuses and criminal international violations of criminal law, and has been brought up before the international criminal courts. His crimes are many. <laughs> One very small piece of that was, and it's in this in this it's in this criminal allegation in front of the criminal courts, uh, is using water as a weapon uh, during some of his violations of international law. So it explicitly addresses his attacks on water systems and his use of water to deprive people of access to safe water and sanitation as a violation of international law. Uh, he hasn't been tried yet. I don't know how that'll go. But there are plenty of other examples that ought to be brought to these courts. Sure. Uh, anything, any examples from the United States where you and I are both based uh, in this chronology? Yeah. So, of course, the good news is that that the richer countries of the world that have better water management systems, that, that uh, have better legal systems, that have somewhat less corruption, have fewer of these examples in the database. Um, but there are all sorts of interesting examples in, from the United States and from, from history. So if you go back to the Revolutionary War, this is actually a wonderful story. Um, New York City was trying to figure out how to build an urban water system. And in 1774, 1775, they actually paid someone to build 
the very first steam-powered water pump to provide water for the city of Manhattan from, from Manhattan. Uh, there had never been a steam-powered pump for water built in the, in the Americas at that point. Uh, it was a new technology, and, and the guy who, who built it actually built it. And it was built and finished sometime around 1776, just when the Revolutionary War was happening. Uh, George Washington's forces had to flee New York City to Long Island to escape the advancing British forces that then occupied New York. And the British burned down much of the city, including this very first water system that New York ever had. So that's in there. Uh, there's, there's an example from the, uh, I think the 80s or the 90s, or even more recently where the FBI arrested some neo-Nazis for plotting to poison water supplies in the United States. Uh, actually, it may have been just a few years ago. Uh, so, but the FBI arrested them, and that's in the, that's in the database. Uh, and there's a fun example from I think the 1930s, where in a dispute between Arizona and Colorado and uh, California on the Colorado River, Arizona actually commandeered a couple of ferry boats. This was had to do with the building of the Parker Dam, if I remember correctly. And they mounted machine guns. The, the Arizona National Guard mounted machine guns on these ferry boats. And the so-called Arizona Navy sailed up and down the river for a couple of weeks until negotiations, of course, took over. Uh, wow. Oh, some good some good examples there. Mentioning the West, it makes me think of, you know, the the adage about whiskeys for drinking and waters for fighting, right? I mean, that's uh, right. that, that fits. And I guess that the kind of long-running dispute between Florida and Georgia with water has not risen to the point of physical conflict, uh, just kind of legal legal battles at this point. Uh Yeah, yeah that you know, that's a good way. That's a good example of most of these disputes are resolved in the courts, certainly in countries like the United States or in Europe, where the institutions are stronger. They're resolved in the courts. There's a dispute. We sue. We, we go to the courts. We, we make laws. We manage the river better. Uh, it's where laws are bad or governments are corrupt or weak or institutions are, are, are inadequate that we see most of these conflicts turn to violence. Sure. Uh, I, I mentioned in the beginning one of the, I think, headlines with the release of this updated version of the water conflict chronology is there's a, a growing threat, a growing concern about conflict around water resources. Uh, why is that so? Well, part of the problem is that uh, as we've been maintaining the chronology and as we've been updating the chronology, uh, it's pretty clear that the numbers of simple examples, the entries, have been growing year by year. You know, they they go up and down, they go up and down over time, but they've been going up over time. There have been more of these conflicts in recent years than in the past. And, you know, part of that may be uh, a better reporting today if there's a conflict over water. You know, my, uh, my, my phone buzzes because I've set it up so that I get notified about it. Uh, and we're keeping better track of these things. But it does seem to be as populations have grown, as competition for water has grown, as our economies have grown, uh, as challenges with shared water resources have grown, that the numbers of violent events are on the increase. Uh, and that's a worrisome, that, that, that's what makes me worried about the trend. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, lastly, how do you want people to use this resource and document? It's very interesting from a historical perspective, fascinating information. Um, what's the purpose of you all uh, putting this out and updating it? 
Yeah, so the the very simply, the goal of this is to understand better how conflicts over freshwater resources may arise and using that knowledge to figure out strategies to reduce the risks of conflicts in the future. Um, our, our goal, of course, worldwide is reduce conflicts over resources and reduce conflicts in general, uh, in, my, in my case, especially over, over water resources. And so understanding the history of the past can help us understand what we really need to do now to reduce the, the future risks, improving international law of wars and enforcing the Geneva Conventions and the existing laws where we already have them negotiating treaties on shared rivers where we don't don't have them. Again, the Tigris and the Euphrates is a good example because, first of all, some of the earliest entries in the chronology come from that region, and some of the most recent come from that region. But it, those are rivers that are shared by Turkey, uh, Syria, and Iraq, and a part of the watershed belongs to Iran, countries that are not friendly in different combinations over different periods of time. And there's no agreement on the Tigris and the Euphrates. There's no agreement about how to share the water resources, how to, how to document and, and share data about flows, uh, how to manage water during droughts. Uh, it's a really good example of a shared international river that is in desperate need of an international agreement. Mm. Um, and then uh, meeting basic human needs for water. We know that we've failed as a globe to meet basic human needs for billions of people it's part of the sustainable development goals to meet basic human needs for water and sanitation by the year 2030 uh, for everyone. Uh, but we look at where low-level disputes about water occur. Uh, violence between farmers and pastoralists in northern Africa have been going on for a long time because water is scarce and it's not properly allocated and everyone doesn't have access all the time. So meeting basic human needs for water and sanitation for everyone, I think would go a long way toward reducing these kinds of conflicts. Mm. So, you know, those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it, right? Put put this these lessons out there so we can try to to improve and take a different path going forward. Exactly. Great. Well, Peter, I really appreciate your time and information. Glad I finally had you on the podcast. Fascinating stuff, but thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Waterloo. Thank you for listening to this episode, and thanks again to Springpoint Partners for grant funding. Remember, you can support the Waterloop nonprofit at patreon.com slash thewaterloop. To find all episodes, sign up for email updates, and connect on social media, visit waterloop.org. Waterloop, Waterloop.